when two worlds really, really love each other. Whoa, 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 Chris. Not in front of the kids. Today we're talking crossovers. Welcome to Writers Get Animated. I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And I'm Chris Leva. Uh, first of all, if you are listening this week, uh, we have some unfinished business of thanking you for coming back to our show. After listening to last week's episode. <clears throat> Which was our very first episode we ever recorded. If you didn't listen to it, <clears throat> that's fine. I think it's lovely. It There's is. some good moments. It's an insight into us as we learn this whole new thing for us of podcasting. Oh, Our, I was going to say public speaking. Oh, I, I've talked in front of... We're both theater majors. I think we should be <laughs> pretty I know okay how to with, yell at actors. I don't know how to talk in public. Okay. I guess there is a difference between that. But thank you for listening to our unaired pilot about unaired pilots, which is now aired. So... We can no longer call it our unaired pilot about unaired pilots. It's our aired pilot. That was unaired. We've, un- we've unearthed it from the archives, in fact. Yes, from the Writers Get Animated <clears throat> Archives, the WGAA. We've a, it's, there's an organization for this? I just Is it I, a It's an acronym. That was my WGAAA, Writers Get Animated Archive acronym. Today's show, we have a great topic. Today we're talking about crossovers. Who's coming to whose world? What happens to the design? Do they exist in the same world after all? Question mark. Um, are aliens really building the pyramids in the past, according to the History Channel? Um, do these crossovers exist at the same time? And of course, for us, a crossover is going to be one show that exists and another show that exists, and they come together. Which is different from a team-up in some ways, which is generally superheroes from the same company just mm-hmm. helping each other out. I would argue even that it's it should be unexpected properties. Like, I don't count Cleveland Show and Family Guy as being a crossover whenever they come together. Because that was a spin-off. Well, I mean, even then, like, counting, like, American Dad being on Family Guy, I don't think that that's a crossover as much. Because it's all the same company, same animation style. Like, I'm thinking... I don't want to spoil what we've picked. Um, uh, uh, I'm struggling to think of good examples now. Um, Simpsons and the Critic. Okay. Is a good crossover. Well, unexpected. It's a crossover by my definition because it's unexpected. Well, there are those. There was the Disney Channel which had their crossovers. Which grabbed things like The Proud Family and Lilo and Stitch. Same company, Ooh. but different different worlds i would watch that there was an episode of um lilo and stitch that had kim possible crossover to it um which was very strange and since stitch was in every renaissance disney movie in the trailer does that mean that kim possible is part of the world of beauty and the beast you would think so but what what was what was interesting about that is it, they made it into a whole event where all of their shows touched. And it became this massive crossover between shows. There was never one big crossover where they all came together. But somehow these worlds, which each world had its own specific stylized style, um, came together somehow. That's like a disappointing Civil War comics event. 
It's like you get all the spin-offs and side stories, but none of the main event. Possibly. Bad metaphor? Okay. It's okay. It's okay. You went for it. I'm, I'm proud of you. Thank you. I am proud of you. I'm working on my metaphors. I'm at level two. I aspire to be a level ten. Hmm. Which is my metaphor for how my metaphors are progressing. <laughs> so what makes a good crossover beyond that? The, the big questions we have to ask, we'll go through them again. <clears throat> Who is joining whose world? So if you take two properties. So our first property, Jetsons, let's say. So you have the Jetsons. Oh my God. Who are they going to meet? I'm not sure. Let's say the Jetsons meet somebody. So let's talk about the world of the Jetsons. Okay. What's the world of the Jetsons? <clears throat> well, they're in a space age. They have flying cars. Um, Rosie the robot does everything for them and is super unappreciated, by the way, who I still think is a pun off of Rosie the Riveter. Can't prove it, though. Um, and they have all these, like, things that do everything for them and hardly any other people in their world other than George Jetson's boss, Mr. Spacely. Just robots and things. Right. And... So if we take a look at that world and we say, well, what is the polar opposite of the Jetsons? What world should we go to? Hmm. Now, before we think of that, let's also think of this. Who owns the Jetsons? Hanna-Barbera. Okay. So we might, because <clears throat> of legal stuff, because all of this is based on legal stuff. <laughs> Let's stay in the same company. Okay. Hanna-Barbera. Um, Jetsons and... Um, I'm going to go Snagglepuss. I think I would watch that. Mm. Future people meet Talking Cat? Yeah. Okay. Also, we could add in Top Cat. Oh. he is also a Talking a cat, cat. Cat. Jetsons. Mm -hmm. With Astro the dog, who's a talking dog. <gasps> Or just throw in Scooby-Doo. That's true. They <gasps> Scooby-Doo <clears throat> and Top Cat. See, Hannah, we should just get a wheel. We need My a mouth wheel. is a game. <clears throat> we need a wheel of Hanna-Barbera where you spin that wheel of animals, Hanna-Barbera animals, <laughs> and then you spin the wheel of human characters <laughs> and then just mash that <clears throat> up. Because Hanna-Barbera is known for mashups. Which are different than crossovers, because mm -hmm. mashups is just not really thinking clearly about plot or anything. It's just getting these characters all mashed together. And then you end up with Yogi's Space Race. Which is my favorite cartoon show I've never heard of before <laughs> researching for the show. Well, it's further out <clears throat> in terms of Space. the crazy race. Well, I was saying the crazy races. Mm. So it's, it's the next best thing. It's the mm. Jetsons level space races okay that's what it is sounds to me like yogi would be an excellent crossover partner for the jetsons and if yogi's in space and the jetsons are in space or are the two similar at that point so to tell me i can't take the suspense anymore who do the jetsons cross over with they cross over with the flintstones oh my god that's so different it just might work you'd think that this would work as a crossover. So let's talk about the world of the Flintstones. What's the world of the Flintstones? Oh man, they are in Bedrock, which uh, depending on your point of view is either the prehistoric past or the post-apocalyptic future. 
Well, they did say that they were going to the future. That's we'll talk true. about that. We'll talk, we'll talk. Spoilers. Um, they have animals who do everything for them instead of robots. So it's still like an idealized utopia, but with a different way of accomplishing the everyday tasks. Um, there are a lot of side characters in the Flintstones, though. Like they have their neighbors, the rebels. Um, they have the people at work. Um, I guess not a lot of side characters. A number of side characters. <laughs> where have, four is a number. <laughs> they have a couple of them. They have Mr. <clears throat> Slate. They have some other characters. But a lot of it is guest stars and bad puns for their names. Which is pretty much the where they make everything some kind of rock joke. Mm-hmm. Which the Jetsons does, except it's some sort of space age where they say buzz or space or jet or... Truly, the highest or fruit rocket-y. on the writing tree. Yes. It's finding the right Jetsons name <laughs> slash Flintstones <clears throat> name for a person, for a celebrity. Mm. Whatever that ends up being. Because <laughs> they do have... Um... Okay, I have I have seen this crossover. I know it's feigning ignorance, but I have seen this. Um, at one point in this crossover, they have um, Jet Rivers instead of Joan Rivers. Right. Is our example for your, for celebrities. Yeah, they have Dan <clears throat> Rathmoon. Yeah, I, that was a bad one. Yeah, so... Rathmoon? It's I don't like even... a Star Wars. It's like the, the predecessor of the Death Star. Yeah. I don't understand. That is, in fact, a moon. So we have those two worlds <laughs> crossing over together. There's a lot so, of Chris not laughing at me in this one. So those I, two I worlds was, cross over. I did all my laughing earlier. <laughs> I did all my laughing earlier. You, you wasted it all my laughing earlier. Uh, I have a finite number of Chris So laughs. this Jetsons meet the Flintstones happens 27 years after the initial Flintstones premiere. Which did blow my mind a little bit. Like, I guess for me, being such a, uh, a, a young thing, I guess, um, all this is kind of <laughs> mashed together in my memory. So for me to find out doing research for this, that Flintstones meet the Jetsons is 27 years after Flintstones first premiered on TV, I thought it was just like this happened right away. Because as a kid, you just saw everything mixed together. Yeah, nineteen. Well, nineteen eighty-seven um, is when it was made. I was eight years old at the time mm. when that was done. So nineteen eighty-seven. Um, what was when it was made? So the I almost said Simpsons. <laughs> the Jetsons <laughs> were off the air. Flintstones were off the air, and Hanna Barbera was bringing these characters back. They had a series of several made-for-TV movies, mm-hmm. which they, a lot of Yogi movies. And then some made-for-theater movies, and then some live-action reboots of right. not goodness. So, <clears throat> I'm not going to talk about the live-action Flintstones. I'm, I'm not. Partly because it's not today. in the scope of our podcast, and partly because it doesn't deserve to be talked about. <gasps> with, I agree with one of those things. The first one. Oh, we don't. Yeah. It's out of our scope. Now, <laughs> so I think in a lot of ways they start off by showing us what's the same about the world, so mm-hmm. that way when we get to the differences and these characters meet as they inevitably will, we get to see how they're different. Because honestly, like even though we talked about the differences in the worlds, the formula for the shows are very similar, as we talked about with the celebrity names. 
It is about um, two different families, and they have this world where a lot of things happen for them, and it's about the struggles of the father figure at work. True, but the Flintstones have family friends. The Jetsons are lonely. Are well, they, they're lonely, but they have their two kids, so it's more of a family drama. Hmm. The Flintstones get kids much later in their run. Mm -hmm. um, Pebbles and Bam Bam. Bam Bam. Uh, who are not present in the Flintstones. Uh, sorry, the Jetsons meet the Flintstones. Which boggles me. Yeah, it, it makes me wonder about the timeline in that sense. If, if it's pre-children or if it's post-children. If they've already somehow grown up. And left the house. Well, Dino's still alive. So that's and if an he impossibility. Ages in dog dino years. I think it's pre children. Yeah, but I don't know. Dinosaurs lived for quite a long time 65 million years. Yeah, each of them. <laughs> each of them was alive for 65 million years. That's what Science they, fact. What they don't tell you is what we just said. Each dinosaur was alive for 65 million years apiece. <laughs> Even, I don't know why they don't have Pebbles and Bam Bam in the movie. It would have been so much better if they had Pebbles and Bam Bam as teenagers. Because the other part of what happens in crossovers is the characters find their similarities and they find their differences. Mm -hmm. So you're finding out, you're finding the mirror images so you can bring those together. And then when you hold them together, it creates the differences and you're able to really look at something deeper and find something new about it so when you have you know a batman superman crossover and you have batman you see them together and you say hey these both are heroes they're both orphans in a way they're both this they're both that but then you see the other differences about them he wears black he wears blue you know Mm -hmm. It just becomes a little richer, those differences, because you mirror them and see their experiences close together. The hard part about Jetson's <laughs> versus the Flintstones. Which is what I've been saying all day. Yeah, it threw me. Jetson's versus Flintstones, colon, Dawn of Justice. Dawn of Elroy. Dawn of Elroy. Because Elroy causes this whole thing to happen. He does. He's this maniacal villain. Well, the reason <clears throat> you have to have a reason for these worlds to come together, mm -hmm. or you have to have to have, you have to have a how these worlds come together. Now you have a future family and a prehistoric family. And the only way that they can come together, the only way that they can come together is time travel. Everyone's favorite plot device. That's the only way. Mm -hmm. So somebody has to create a time machine. And the time machine can only come from the future. So that's where you have to start your story. And that's where we do start in the world of the Jetsons. I love this point because for something we're going to do later, it's going to come back to bite you. Is it? Yes. Okay. I'm excited. But you do go on. Do go okay, on. Okay, fine. Bite me. <clears throat> no, no, go on. No, go bite on. me. I don't, I don't want to skip ahead. Let's keep talking about the beginning. Okay, at the beginning, we open with... George Jetson asleep and being woken up by his alarm clock mm -hmm. that forces him out of bed and shouts at him and dumps the bed and throws him into the shower and all mechanically driven and he has no control over it. It's one of the most obnoxious alarm clocks in the world. Terrible wake up experience. Mm -hmm. 
Then we do a cross dissolve to Fred Flintstone being woken up by his bird alarm clock because it's an animal now. Bird alarm clock yelling at him and getting his dinosaur dog to run in and wake him up. And it's a terrible wake up experience. And then they both go to their jobs and have everything. But I feel like we spend a lot more time in the world of the Jetsons in that first part. We do, which is interesting because um, to one of our first questions of who comes to whose world, um, like you mentioned, Elroy builds the time machine in the future. So the Jetsons come to the Flintstones world. And I do feel like the majority of the movie is spent in bedrock. Yes, that's <clears throat> true. However, it takes a third. It takes a good. The movie itself is 90 minutes. Mm -hmm. It takes at least 30 of those 90 minutes to even get the Jetsons to meet the Flintstones. In fact, you are right. It is almost exactly at the 30 minute mark that this happens. I know because I paused and went, my God, how long did it take to get here? I, you just, you know it has to happen because the movie is called Jetsons Meet the Flintstones. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and in their meeting, it's... I'm so upset by it. Like I, it was, it was this <laughs> massive letdown where you expected something big to come of this, some some other discovery, and they, uh, the Flintstones are wowed by the Jetsons technology, mm -hmm. where they have anti gravity boots so they can go get something up a tree. They have the hover belt where he can fly around, and they're amazed by this. I love that they have two different flying things, though. Yeah, they well, have essentially different ways to fly. Yeah. And um, bag that is Time Lord technology. Yes. Because it is on bigger inside. on the side. Mm -hmm. So they have all this great stuff and they're just wowed by it. And Fred Flintstone sees ways that he can take advantage of these people. Of course. Because Fred Flintstone is a terrible human being. Which we did not realize until watching this. This makes Fred Flintstone an awesome, awesome an awesomely terrible person. I cannot stand Fred Flintstone anymore. He does try and murder his best friend in this movie. That's that's way in the end, though. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, Barney did do what Fred was attempting to do. Yeah. Therefore, Fred should not be angry because he was just acting like Fred. Right. He's taught him all this whole time on how to be a terrible, selfish human being. Maybe this movie's about the betrayal of the Padawan. I'm not going to pull, pull this this way. No. Uh-uh. I'm not following you in that path. I'm not following you there. Down that dark path? Oh. Uh, oh. Anyway, uh, we can't oh. talk about all the wonderful, sometimes air quotes, wonderful things in Flintstones versus Jetsons, colon, Dawn of Justice. However, um, what are three of your favorite takeaways from this? If we try to sum up this movie in three moments, what are the three moments that best describe it? Three moments that best describe what mm -hmm. happens. Your greatest hits. Okay. Okay. We come up with one of my favorite scenes. Probably my favorite scene is the Jetsons have somehow, they were trying to take a picture of the Flintstones. Oh, yeah. And the Flintstones end up, oh my gosh, this is so convoluted. 
So in the future, Rosie the robot has to have their handyman build a time machine retrieval device. <laughs> so that way they could pull the time machine back from wherever it had gone. So really it's a time machine for time machines. Correct. Okay. Yes. It's a trans time machine transport, essentially. It retrieves the time machine from wherever time it was. And what happens is the Flintstones are next to this thing and it sucks the time machine forward to the future and restores the Flintstones in the Jetsons place, trapping the Flintstones in the future and trapping the Jetsons in the past. Mm -hmm. And my favorite scene about that is George going around and talking to each of his family members, <laughs> trying to let them down easy that, hey, we're stuck in the past, but we have to we have to power through this because we're we're good people and none of them really care <laughs> all of them are happy to be stuck in prehistoric times elroy is out mowing the grass and my favorite thing about it here's 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 why i like this elroy's mowing the grass and he's like yeah we're he's just chewing and cutting this this green stuff whatever it is <laughs> And George Jetson says, it's grass. I've heard of it in an old textbook. And I was like, they have no grass. I had to pause it. And I said, environmentally, the world that the Jetsons live in is awful. There's no grass. Mm -hmm. How is there air? Because they do orbit Earth. They establish that in this movie. So, but they've never been to Earth as the Jetsons. It's just amazing that... I never thought that they that the Earth was devoid of life to that extent. <laughs> That's one of my favorite things. It's it's a utopia, but it's not really. Mm -hmm. Nature is consumed totally <laughs> and wholly. <laughs> and maybe the Jetsons can take some of that knowledge of what happened with them. They they won't. But maybe that that, that could be something that could happen to them. So that's your first the mowing, thing? The mowing the grass. That's my first thing. Okay. I'm sorry. That was a long way to say Elroy mowing the grass. Okay. Do you have any more? Uh, no. Okay. The, uh, one, uh, we share one. Why don't you talk about the one that we share? Do we? Yeah. I share the one same as you. I don't know if we're talking about the same one. Go for it. My first favorite one is the completely, completely unnecessary two to three minute dance break with an 80s anthem for Judy Jetson. Which I find particularly interesting because we're in Bedrock and the future, and then we have an 80s dance anthem done with 80s instruments and all the Bedrock band in complete 80s dress with sunglasses and poorly clashing things and ties and there's a mohawk. Completely unnecessary. I don't understand why this is in this movie. Other than to try to have be a vehicle for a hit single. That I didn't think, happen. Well, it was 87. There had to be a music video because MTV was very big. When did Garfield have their music video? That was a big thing. Yeah, I can't remember. Mm. But that was... It, that I, I have to say that that was one of my favorite things. I, I just stared at it for a while <laughs> because that's what it asked you to do. It asked to, to, for you to stare at it. And ask, how long will this go on? Because she's there. He just meets her and he now writes a song about her. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how time works in this show. That he plays live. That he plays They'll live. do it live. And I was just staring at it. And I said, when did this happen? 
I can I can accept the world of the Jetsons somehow. I can accept the world of the Flintstones somehow. But I the cannot, 80s? I cannot accept this anthem being written in mere seconds <laughs> and performed live <laughs> seconds later. Unless he just added the words Judy Jetson because it was actually like Marla Sandstone before and they had a they broke up last night and then he saw this girl was like hey what's your name and she's like i'm judy jess it's like oh my gosh has the same number of syllables it'll work <laughs> that's how he meets all of his girlfriends and that's how he talks to them and if i were in a hip-hop band i would write all my songs based on the number of syllables you'd find in common girls names well never mind <laughs> um it's a lie uh now, I do have a treat for you, because I know you didn't get to finish the last couple minutes of this movie. Yes, I, w- I did not allow myself to watch the last <laughs> seven minutes of the movie. It's such a treat, because so much happens. Um, where did you leave off? Okay, I left off. The Jetsons have somehow become rich in Bedrock mm-hmm. and own half of Bedrock. They own department stores, because using the technology that they took back... George has become famous and also owns the fire department and owns everything. Yeah, how do you own the fire department? I don't understand how he gets that much power, but still ends up being like the superintendent of bedrock and everything comes after him. So they're they're just giving up at this point and they're rebuilding um, the time machine in the future. And Fred has just tried to kill Barney by throwing him out a window Mm -hmm. um, because Barney became rich trying to be a spokesman for cogswell cogs and then they decide to send rosie the robot to go fetch the jetsons and bring them home Mm -hmm. and she's stuck in the medieval age i didn't get to that okay rosie the riveter spends about 30 seconds in the medieval age with jousters who she mistakes as robots and so here at this point in the movie we have like seven minutes left in the movie both families are in the wrong time. Neither of the father figures has their jobs back. And we send a robot to medieval times. <laughs> and there's seven minutes left in a 90-minute movie. It's like, let's put all of Act 5 in these seven minutes, but spend 30 minutes on Act 1 when nothing happens. Um, well, a lot happens. You set up the espionage. Oh, my God. The Flintstones don't know where to go on vacation. <laughs> oh, my, There's a poker game. And, and They never go on vacation. Spoilers. They never and, go on vacation. And Fred Flintstone dresses up like a Texan for some oh, reason God. because and his Barney's boss is at like the poker a, game. In drag. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> <clears throat> um, so in the last seven minutes of this movie. Yes. Um, I want to hear the it. The Jetsons get so fed up with their lives, they kind of pedal out in the Flintstone car to the middle of nowhere. And just to commit suicide, right? I don't know. They're just all fed up. They're taking a Sunday drive is what's happening. Oh, that makes more sense. I'll go back to my way of thinking of it, but it makes more sense that they're just out trying to clear their heads. So they hit a, they get stuck on a rock. Like they just can't go forward. They could have gone backward. They just can't go forward when they hit this rock. Well, what does that say? But they haven't, they're stuck on bedrock. Oh, here's where we put on our sunglasses and say, deal with it. (laughs) Um, which you can't see on the podcast. Go on. Anyway, um, this time, they're right at the spot where the time machine happened to land the first time. Say, oh, how about that? And at this moment, Rosie the Riveter shows up, materializes in the backseat with the kids, and says, oh my god, the Jetsons! Mr. J! Mr. J! Which is more like Harley Quinn talking to the Joker now. <laughs> um, and the time machine... Oh my gosh, that's where they got it. it. And uh, 
the time machine's on top of the car, and so Rosie takes them all back to the future. No pun intended. Is that's not really a pun. Yeah. No playing words intended. Um, so they all go to the future. Both families are united in one spot. And, this, and they all stand in a line. And they, they all, all stand, stand in an awkward line. line. Yeah. Um, and Jetson decides to get his job back. Mr. Spacely barges in for the 50th time this Jetson! movie to his house, um, banging yeah, on the that, door. That, that scene threw me off when, Spa- when Spacely was just rummaging through their home while no one was around. It was just like... He's a family friend and a bad boss. Oh, and he puts on George Jetson's underwear at one point, too. Yeah, he does. He does. It's not as creepy as it sounds. Yes, it is. It kind of is. Um, so they're all in an awkward line, and Jetson gets his job back by offering up the Flintstones car to Spacely, who loves it. And here's my second favorite moment. Spacely decides that this is a literally a nostalgia vehicle that he's going to mass manufacture and sell to people in the future at an inflated cost. Because people love the past, which says absolutely nothing as a metaphor about the Flintstones or the Jetsons and the special as a whole. As a nostalgia vehicle. As a nostalgia vehicle. I'm going to skip a part in the middle where Barney and Fred become friends again and Astro and Dino work it out. Because why do Astro and Dino have a plot? I don't know. And at this point... Ray Raftu. Ray Raftu. Um, Rhinally. At this point in the movie, Ruby Ron. there's about two minutes left, and I'm looking at the clock as this video ticks down, like, what is going to happen? And instead of more things getting resolved, the Flintstones are like, well, I guess we'll go back to the past now. I'm like, oh, thank God. They're just going to resolve this in a good way. Then Elroy walks on and goes, I have bad news. The time machine's permanently broken. I'm like, there's a minute and a half <laughs> left in this movie, and the time machine is broken again. And here's him crying a little bit because it gets so ridiculous. <laughs> and so they convinced Mr. Spacely to give the Flintstones their original car back after he sold all the other nostalgia vehicles. And they're like, okay, well, let's go sit and be happy that we have our car at least, even though we're stuck in this weird future where we don't understand anything and hate it. And the entire family sits in the car, and here's where your words bite you. The car goes back in time. And Elroy says, oh, I guess it must have absorbed time particles. And then George Jetson leans over and says, my boy, you're wrong. That car just really wants to go home. And that's the end of the movie. <laughs> no. Yes. I don't, I don't remember if Fred and Barney get their jobs back. I don't think they do. They must. They set up tons of problems and never resolve and Anything. a time machine came from the past to get them back to the past. I don't understand. That's just frustrating. It's just a nostalgia vehicle. You're supposed to have it. They're in the future where there's no ground and no roads, and they have a car that runs by running your feet on the ground. They have... Uh... <laughs> the whole thing doesn't make sense. So let's talk about one that does make sense. <laughs> yes, let's talk about one that completely makes sense. A little bit more sense, but it's a very, almost weirdly similar thing, except um, a fifth is long? 21 minutes? 21 minutes. 21 minutes. Simpsorama. 26 years after the original airing of The Simpsons, of the Simpsons. we have 
this family from the past, air quotes here, and they are kind of from the past at this point. They kind of are. They kind of are. The Simpsons. And they meet a family, air quotes here, from the future. The, the 31st Futuramas. century. Simsorama. A show out of ideas teams up with a show out of episodes. That's the tagline. That's one of my favorite taglines ever. That was That's the best Futurama opening credit of all time, and it was on The Simpsons. Right. So right away, we start off in the world of Futurama, jump into a couch gag for The Simpsons, and then go back into the storytelling from beginning of Simpsons episode. And similarly to Flintstones versus Jetsons, colon, Dawn of Justice. That's um, just throwing me off. <laughs> because The Simpsons are the bigger money vehicle, the world of Futurama comes to The Simpsons. Right. Mm-hmm. We have a time capsule. Well, here, hang on. Okay, I'm but skipping here's, it. But here's the question. So what's the, the world of The Simpsons is essentially our world in a way, mm-hmm. with yellow people. <laughs> it's essentially our world in the present time with all the Simpsons characters we know and love. And there's tons of Simpsons characters that have been established at this point. Mm-hmm. Then we have the world of Futurama in the future that is supposedly the future of our world you know very much our world in in that sense things masking and referring back to it including that the simpsons is a tv show Mm -hmm. so the fact that simpsons is a tv show with merchandise and other things in the world of futurama (laughs) makes this episode of the simpsons perplexing at best there was a little we're just waving our hands wildly here in our podcast. Uh, no, there was a little fly. And room. <laughs> so we have the Futura- Futurama future, and we have the Simpsons, which is a family, much like the Jetsons. I would put the Simpsons closer to the Jetsons than the Flintstones. A lot of people say that Homer Simpson is like Fred Flintstone, and I don't. He may be in that same group but uh homer simpson's a better father he's at his core lazy and fred flintstones is at his core mean yes homer's lazy <laughs> and loving and fred is lazy and selfish and mean mm-hmm. they're both larger and they both have the brown indication of male facial hair growth whatever that cartoon word is yeah they have the they have the line and then the circle of brown around mm-hmm. their mouths that indicates male <laughs> which george jetson has the line he doesn't have the growth a lot of people in the jetsons have the line but not the growth and i think it's supposed to be cheekbones in the future because it doesn't sense. it's not a circle it's kind of like a upside down u yeah i guess it is i don't know the future has cheekbones. The past has brown Scruff. So, <laughs> the, the Simpsons family, Futurama is not a family. It's a company. It's a delivery service and not a very good one. Mm-hmm. Um, pulled up together from Misfits, which I, I adore these people mm-hmm. and monsters and whatnot. But <laughs> now, you, now you have to think, if we're going to mix these two worlds, which characters... You know, are going to be around. There's so many characters in Futurama. 
there are so many characters and we get um, we get hedonism bot the in the couch gag because mm -hmm. you have to have hedonism bot you have to have these yeah. e everybody gets a thrown in line like get somebody gets an appearance everybody gets an appearance is this more hedonism bot than Zoidberg which upsets me yeah but Zoidberg gets a really great he Zoidberg does he gets line. the best one-liner maybe the best Zoidberg line of all time is the last Zoidberg line yeah I will we'll, we'll talk about that in our favorite things um, <laughs> but we have the time capsule that Springfield is creating um, to get sent to the future. Bart Simpson's Bart Simpson blows his nose into a sandwich mm -hmm. and puts it in there in the time capsule. They bury the time capsule in a place where there is, you guessed it, radioactive waste. Where is the radioactive waste in Springfield? Um... In Springfield, I, th I think it's just fully yeah. polluted. Yeah. And then we have um, <clears throat> everything else going in to the time capsule. And then they send Bender from the future to come and kill Homer Simpson because they found these monsters that are taking over the future have Homer Simpson DNA. Mm -hmm. Which the monsters are originally, it's a crossover for crossover. Right. The Life and Hell Rabbits from Matt Groening's original comic strip. Because the sandwich and the rabbit's foot that Millhouse places in there. Because he doesn't need good luck anymore. Which that's, <laughs> was my first favorite thing. is The <laughs> gag of Millhouse saying, I don't need this anymore. I don't need luck. And everything that follows him <laughs> after that. I love that scene. Um, but And then we have... This, everybody trying to figure figure out how they do this and essentially you end up with most of the time with Bender and Homer showing you that Bender and Homer are the same thing mm -hmm. the same person so it's a very Bender Homer heavy episode but it does show you the evolution of those two shows which in a lot of ways Homer grew out of uh, instead of being the Bart show it grew into being the Homer show. Mm -hmm. Futurama, starting as the Fry show, grew out of that and moved towards uh, the Bender show. Mm -hmm. So Fry and Bart being those those characters, with both with spiky hair, mm -hmm. and then Bender and Homer. Both bald and shiny heads. Both and shiny heads. And what do they talk about? Coming out and taking over the shows. <clears throat> so, mm -hmm. again, you get that... the. The mere juxtaposition the right way, I feel. And and they had fun with knowing what they were doing in terms of this juxtaposition. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know why they didn't change their character design. Maybe it would have thrown people off. I don't know what, what would have been more jarring. I, I don't know what is more jarring, to have Fry and Leela and everybody to look like Fry and Leela or to have them come back to the past and look like their Simpsons characters. And in the just past, them yellow. in the Simpsons critic crossover, they did make the critic yellow. Right. In the Simpsons. So they have a history of already co-opting people into being... A Simpsons character. A Simpsons character. So, but then Hermes would have still been black. Because black characters are black characters. Well, black characters are black characters in Simpsons. That's true. It's just white people are yellow in the Simpsons. So it, it just would throw everything off for Fry and Leela and the professor to all be yellow 
and everyone else to be. I think that would have thrown people off. I agree. I think, I think that would have been more jarring. They looked like aliens of themselves. Yeah. So it's fine that they left him. Yeah. This is probably a fight they had. <laughs> Why aren't Fry and Lilo and the Professor yellow? The things we don't see on the front end of animation. We don't see the <laughs> the argument about the color of Lila's skin. Um, so what are your favorite moments in Simsorama? Three favorite moments. Millhouse is good luck. Mm-hmm. Number one. Number two, I think we agree on this. Zoidberg's line. Zoidberg's line. I don't know if I want to spoil it for them. I don't think we should. No, go see it. Simpsons, Simpsorama, season 26, episode 6 of The Simpsons. Zoidberg's line. His only... His only line. The last Zoidberg line ever uttered in mankind's history. The best line. The best line. What about for you? Um, I'm going to pick Zoidberg's line, of course. Um... I think at some point the Professor Frink and Professor Farnsworth are saying they're going to work on a machine. They said, oh, and uh, bring the little girl. She might be useful. <laughs> about and, May. About Lisa. And Lisa comes with them and is useful, of course. And then also paralleling Flintstones versus Justin Jetsons, colon Don of Justice, um, at the end, as Bender's done several times in the past when he's gone into the past, he decides to get back to the future the old-fashioned way, and he just powers down and hangs out in the Simpsons' basement. Where then Homer comes up, and I think the last line of the episode is Homer saying to him, you'll always have a place here with us. Which is kind of like this meta-nostalgic send-back to Futurama and how it's canceled, but it will always live on in the Simpsons. And Bender powers down in their basement. Well, he powers down. They throw him in the basement. And in episodes since then... They've shown the Simpsons basement, and Bender is there, just powered down. So Bender and Futurama live on in the basement of the Simpsons for as long as the Simpsons will keep going. I think they're using them as a mini-fridge at one point in the current season. Yes, they do. It's wonderful. (laughs) Uh, So that is crossovers. One fun crossover. And one funny crossover. Exactly. <laughs> cool. Which, which one is which is your choice? <laughs> so homework time for next episode. Next episode, we're going to be talking about spinning a movie, taking that movie and turning it into an animated series and the questions and things that come along with that. So we ask you to go watch. If you want to come itch, we're going to come. If you want to come itch, <laughs> if you want to commit to listening, <laughs> we have Men in Black. The Alpha Syndrome, Season 1, Episode 4, and Aladdin, Some Enchanted Genie, Season 1, Episode 11. As always, thank you to Nigel Cotino, our engineer. Music by Jacob Reed. Um, Check us out at all the things that we do. Twitter at WG Animated. Writers get animated.tumblr.com. Facebook.com slash WG Animated. That's all, folks. Good night, everybody. (laughs) 